Hey there guys and welcome back to the Travis and Damien podcast episode 60. We are available on anchor.fm slash Travis Damien podcast along with Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and many more. If you guys would like to ask us any questions, leave a voice message at the anchor link or in the YouTube comment section. Today we're going to be talking about general gaming news including E3 2021, then movie and, movie and entertainment news within Marvel Studios. Next, we're going to be talking about our recent activities, including Godzilla vs. Kong and a whole lot of anime. Afterwards, our thoughts on the Bloomberg article discussing Sony's blockbuster mentality. Lastly, our thoughts on the Falcon and Winter Soldier episode 4 and 5. So first is that E3 2021 will be fully digital. Uh, It's going to be an online event. Uh, and PlayStation and EA will not be participating once again, but it will be backed by Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Ubisoft, Take-Two, WB and Coach Media. Um, so yeah. yeah, I don't know what Coach Media is, <laughs> by the way. Um, but yeah, I think that Nintendo sort of backing the event is a good sign. I'm sure that they were going to do their own like little direct thing as usual. Uh, but the absence of Sony and uh, EA is, uh, you know, I think sort of expected. I believe when Sony pulled out, it was right before the pandemic happened. Like I think it was like 2019 before everything went to shit. So yeah, um, you know, it's still like sort of new and sort of weird to not see Sony at E3 yet just because we haven't had the event in person for the last two years now um but yeah i am excited to see what e321 has to offer just because it is a digital event and you know there were rumors about paywalls and all of this other stuff but yeah yeah um i mean obviously it being digital makes sense because the the you know covid while it's like you know waning at this point as more people are getting vaccinations is still like a big threat i think i talked about this last time mm-hmm. so um, i think it's smart that e3 is just going to full digital route and hopefully they figure out how to do it in like a good way i mean i i just suspect it's going to be like all like directs i guess so it's gonna be like oh here's like the um xbox press conference but it's basically like a, a direct basically maybe they to try and make it a little more fancy like he has the e3 flair or whatever mm-hmm. um but yeah it's really cool that nintendo's backing it as well um i you know, Nintendo is never really a part of E3 anymore, but they usually are, kind of. Because you know, their, their directs are still, like, yeah, it's kind of a part of E3, but not really. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool to see them, like, back it. Obviously, they probably still are going to do their own, like, direct, like, afterward. But um, it's, it's just cool to see that Nintendo kind of values E3 as, like, a thing still. And, you know, I do, too. I, I do like E3. I think it's a very convenient place to get all your, your big gaming news. You know, everyone gets all hyped for those, like, three, four days. You know, it's a good time. And, you know, PlayStation still being kind of, like, annoying about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really like you know again they, they pulled out um like you said 2019 um and i don't know if they'll come back honestly like i think playstation is thinking they're like too good for like for like like everyone else <laughs> uh, as we'll talk about later that that's another i was about to bring it up but no we're, we're talking mm-hmm. about playstation and sony later um and ea kind of been doing their own things as well like um they, they weren't a part of E3 for the past few years. They're doing, like, the own EA Play thing where, you know, they, like, stand outside and, like, play, like, like here's uh, Star Wars, <laughs> I guess. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, all the big players are basically here. Uh, you got to remember that Bethesda is part of uh, Xbox now, so they're not going to be their own thing anymore, which is kind of mm-hmm. weird. Um, but, yeah, it, it is cool to see, you know, Nintendo, uh, Capcom, even Ubisoft, Take-Two and stuff, so... Yeah, hopefully it'll be a good E3, or maybe it'll be disappointing. You know, that's just how E3s go. Uh, <laughs> but I'm excited to see how it turns out, you know? Yeah. 
my only hope for E3 is that I don't know why this hasn't been like a thing sooner is that like since it is all digital like you know Xbox and Nintendo you know y'all could like drop some demos and you know E3 demos oh, yeah. sort of things because uh, I remember back when I would uh, get the Xbox 360 and like the idea of like downloading free demos was like always cool um, but nowadays that's sort of like a retired idea. Um, right. but, but I feel like with E3, you know, like, like people would fly out in person and, you know, actually like play these games. Uh, it would be very cool to see some of these studios, uh, sort of give us like a free demo exclusive for like the weekend or even like a month for you to download and sort of try out, uh, maybe even have it, you know, limited for like however many plays to like, not sort of like expose the game too much. Cause I know 3DS demos would definitely do that where it would be like, you could only play this demo for like 20 times or whatever. Maybe they yeah. could do something similar if if uh, that is a route that some of these companies and publishers want to do because i think that that would be like a really cool aspect of this year's e3 in particular and maybe even continue it onward because the idea of demos like i said was is sort of dead in the water yeah um well it, there was actually a good case for people not doing demos if uh balance wonder world where mm-hmm. that game released its demo and everyone was like yo this game is garbage and i think they're pulling <laughs> the demo now because like shit everyone knows the game is bad now but i agree i agree that more people should do demos and this is actually something i always wanted even as like you know as like a kid where if, you know i'm watching e3 i'm like oh that would be cool if they released the the e3 demo like you know when you know the event is happening or something i mm-hmm. I, I still think that would be a really cool idea and I agree that it makes sense this year because there's not even going to be a physical venue to go to. So it'd be cool if we could just like maybe just even just for that few days, we could download the game and play whatever E3 build it is. Um, maybe they're afraid of data mining and like mm-hmm. people just taking it and stuff. That That's probably why they don't do it. Uh, also, because probably the game is like really unstable and stuff because, uh, you know, these games are always like years and years, you know, in the future until they come out. But um, I agree with you. That would be super cool. And I think that'd be a cool way to get people really excited about E3 again, since, you know, I think they need to really spice it up and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think that's a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. All right. So on to more news. We got Sonic Colors Remastered leaked by a German dubbing studio. So, um, yeah, so apparently this was, well, leaked, rumored. We're, we're not like, you know sure right now but a, a person on twitter just found out that yeah german's uh german's uh jumping studio is like has a listing for like sonic colors remastered um again we, we don't know if this is real or whatever it could be um and apparently it got like removed the page from yeah. the website so yeah we, we don't know if it this confirms or denies it but I guess the idea of a Sonic Colors remaster is a pretty exciting one to think about since the game is a game 10 years old at this point. Or is it yeah, over 10 years uh, old? it's it's over I'm 10 sure. years old. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> because oh me and you were still kids when this game came out. And I'm sure you might remember yourself going into like GameStop or whatever and I, buying I this game. I remember like Best Buy and game. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. But I, I think Sonic Colors could go for a, for a good remaster. I mean, I think... Um, you know, the game obviously doesn't look as good as Unleashed because it was on, on Wii only. Mm-hmm. But it also means that a lot of people probably haven't even played it because it was only on Wii and, like, that's it. So it would be cool to see it get remastered, you know, HD. Um, I don't know what else they could do. Uh, you know, uh, maybe add some online for the for the multiplayer. I know the multiplayer wasn't that great. It was, like, the, the co-op missions or something. But I think that would be a cool little addition. I think just being able to play the game again on modern hardware would be a really nice, like, treat. Because, uh, you know, Sonic Colors is obviously one of the uh, better 3D Sonic games. I-, I would love to see Unleash also get a remaster. Because, um, you know, I know Unleash, you know, Werehog and stuff. But I, I still really do <laughs> un- like Unleash. And I think having all the uh, the good boost games be on, like, modern systems would be really neat. So, 
Yeah, definitely the idea of uh, remasters and, you know, especially games like this where it was exclusively on the Wii, but, like, Sega just put it on the Wii because why not? Like, Nintendo didn't, like, publish this game or anything like that, so, like, they do have the freedom to put it on modern hardware and stuff like that. Um, So, yeah, this is definitely one of the boost formula Sonic games that a lot of people really like, Uh, but it's unfortunate that it was exclusive on the Wii, so I'm sure that there was there's a lot of people that haven't played it or they played it through like a emulation or whatever. Um, so I think that if they had to remaster like one of the boost formula games, this is definitely the safest one to do it. Uh, me and Damien both have a, I guess, soft spot for Unleash, you know, say what you will about the Werehog and uh, whatever. But I think that the daytime stages were good and I even had some fun to a certain extent playing the Werehog stuff. Uh, nowadays, maybe not so much, but definitely when I was younger, I had a lot of fun doing all of that. Uh, but with Sonic Colors, I think that, like I said, definitely the safest boost formula game to remake. Uh, you know, you don't really have to do anything with Generations because that is um, on PC. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely putting it on, like, I guess, like PS4, PS5 hardware wouldn't be that bad. But because it is already on PC, I think that, you know, there's not a huge demand for that title in particular. But Sonic Colors, it has only been on the, the Wii and DS. So um, a remaster of this one is definitely exciting news to hear. Not exactly sure if that's actually going to happen, but we're just going to have to wait and see. All right, so next piece of news, we got a couple of trailers for the Marvel Studios stuff. So first up is the Black Widow trailer, Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, her past or whatever, you know, sort of like highlighting her moments within the MCU. Uh, And it is going to come to Disney Plus uh, Premier Access on July 9th. And I'm sure that's the reason why they they dropped this trailer to sort of, I guess, solidify that this is going to come out, guys. This is coming out. Yeah, Um, for real this time. (laughs) (laughs) But... Yeah, I mean, I'm going to watch it either way. I'm probably going to pay the premiere access. I know that uh, by the time this movie comes out, I will be like fully, fully vaccinated. But even then, I don't want to, you know, risk it or anything. Um, So if I could just pay $30, uh, watch it from home and sort of see the movie within the comfort of my own home, I'll do it. Obviously, the theater experience is pretty much irreplaceable in my eyes. uh, But I think that with how things are still... Uh, I don't think that it is that bad, especially since this movie, they've been sitting on this for like probably a year now. So, yeah, um, I agree. Like, I just want to watch it at this point. I do really <laughs> like this trailer, too, because mm-hmm. I, I think that that's Taskmaster they showed. I forgot. If yes. He was the, uh, yeah. He, he's like the main villain. He looks cool. Um, I love that, like that Avengers theme they were using throughout the trailer. That was really good as well. Um, and I, I, I still think it's really awkward how this movie is coming out like after end game and stuff like you know it's supposed to be a thing about black widow's past i guess and like we're learning about it after you know things happen in end game and it just feels a little weird mm-hmm. um uh, but i still quote to learn more about black widow maybe they'll do something like they they might have more stuff to do with black widow after this uh movie comes out um because I don't think, you know, they're just going to end it like that. I mean, I kind of wish they did. I don't know. It's just really awkward how this movie is coming out in general. Uh, especially since it was supposed to come out so much sooner. But, you know, just the general delays the movie had, plus COVID, really um, really stopped this movie from ever coming out. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm liking for what I've seen. You know, I always like it when the MCU goes for more, like, spy action stuff. So, um, I- I'm I'm pretty down with it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, not really else, too much else to say about it. I mean, what else do you, you have anything else to say about it? Uh, no, just, you know, I think that this 
like you said, this is probably the best trailer that they've released so far, whether it's yeah. because they showed more of the past movies or like showed more of like what this movie's going to dive into. Uh, us actually seeing like her past experience um, with like everything that she's gone through. Uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, excited to see this finally sort of thing, you know? <laughs> and then the next thing to show was uh, a trailer for Loki. So we got to more, uh, know more about it. Uh, it looks like he's like, with like weird reality police or something mm-hmm. like, and he has to like go through different like i guess realities and stuff and like fix like what's going on um so that that seems really interesting mostly because he was like using like the um what you call it what's the thing called the tesseract yeah he was using that to like you know because this is the loki from avengers one that escaped during endgame right <laughs> yes yes yeah, right that yeah, sounded yeah. that sounded kind of confusing but yes this is the loki from endgame that escaped yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it seems like a pretty interesting thing they're doing here. A lot of interesting visuals. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a little more comedic, too. Like, you know, some some good funny moments in here. Um, and yeah, it's coming out June 11th as well. So, like, you know, I think Disney has been really killing it with the shows lately. You know, I really liked, you know, obviously Mandalorian. I know that's not MCU, but Mandalorian has, was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, WandaVision was great. And I think Winter Soldier is, like, even better. Um or, um, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes. So, uh, Loki looks like, hopefully it was able to keep up the same, like, pace. Because it looks like it will. It looks very uh, interesting. Again, a lot of cool visuals. You know, you know, Loki's always a great character to follow around. Uh, I'm really digging it. And I'm pretty sure I'll like it, too. Because, again, all their, all their shows have been killing it right now. So. Yeah. I think that before this trailer came out, I had no idea what the hell they were going to do with a sort of Loki yeah, series. Um, but now that we have, like, an actual, like, idea of sort of, like, you know, um, I guess a similar setup to, I guess, like what the new Suicide Squad is sort of doing. It's like, I right, yeah. well, you're a bad guy, but like you're going to do some good stuff for us because you have to. Um, so I am interested to see what sort of antics Loki gets into, uh, especially since, you know, uh, Tom Hiddleston. I f- believe that's his name. Hopefully I said that right. But he's a fantastic actor. Every single time he is in the role of Loki, he really, really does kill it. Um, and it looks like that they had a lot of fun making the show. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see exactly how it all pans out because like you said, so far, everything that Disney plus has been making with original content has been really, really good. So yeah, I've been enjoying like all of it so far. So hopefully they could keep up that pace. (laughs) All right. So next bit of news is Netflix purchases two knives out sequels for $450 million to make it its next big franchise. So, um, yeah, if you guys don't know what Knives Out is, I believe it is on Netflix right now. So if you haven't watched it, watch it because it is a really good movie. You don't really need to know anything about it. All you need to know is that it's really good and uh, Daniel Craig's in it. Um, but they pretty much bought out, I guess, the uh, next sequels for the movie to, uh, I'm going to assume, premiere on Netflix. Um, it would be very interesting to see if Netflix were to also release this theatrically, depending on where these movies fall and sort of if if it's you know safe to go out into theaters and uh, things like that. But I think that them spending this much money, they obviously have a lot of faith within the name Knives Out. And I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what Ryan Johnson has in store because... I'm one of those people that really liked his uh, Star Wars movie that he made, episode, I believe it was goddamn eight or something like that, episode eight, The Last Jedi. Um, oh, right. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does because Knives Out 1 is a really, really good movie. Even when I rewatched it a couple of times, you know, just seeing everything again and how it all plays out, so... That's actually funny because I still haven't watched Knives Out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I knew it did really well. And I think, you know, Netflix moving into buy 
two sequels for it, you know, says a lot. Like they have a lot of confidence in the, I guess, in the franchise now. Um, if the sequels are gonna be any good, uh, mm-hmm. that you know remains to be seen. Yeah. Because you know, using Netflix original movies aren't like great. <laughs> you know, obviously there's some good ones, but I feel like for the most part they're usually like a lot lower budget and just not as good. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, so. Uh, hopefully this could be something great. Uh, you know, I know people really like the first movie, but you know, I'm gonna be a little skeptical and say like, like Netflix <laughs> might ruin it. Um, hopefully they don't, but you know, you never know. Um, cause I don't know. I feel like not everything has to be a franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know how this movie plays out, but does it like warrant to be a franchise? I don't know. You know, sometimes it's good just to have a good one-off original movie, cause you know we used to get that those all the time, like the '80s and '90s, right? Like obviously mm-hmm. there were sequels. But, you know, for the most part, they were, like, always, like, you know, pumping out stuff and just, like, forgetting about it. Um, nowadays, usually everything has to be a part of some cinematic universe, even if it's, like, really rushed out. I mean, look at the DCU, right? Like, the DCU is, like, a goddamn mess. I feel like <laughs> the only ones that have been able to really do that well is, like, Marvel, because it didn't even want it to start like that. It just slowly evolved into it. Um, but, yeah, basically, this is my long-winded way of saying, like, does it need to be a franchise? I don't know. Maybe it would have been better for them to, like... I don't know, like probably get like the people involved with it and make it a new original thing, but I don't know. The the name probably sells more than anything else, and that's probably what they care about at the end. So yeah, Ryan Johnson is set to write and direct these sequels, so that is okay. sort of promising. But I can definitely see your point of view when it comes to Netflix and sort of uh, exclusive streaming movies in general, because most of the time, despite you know having the convenience of getting the buzz on social media with things like Bird Box, I believe that that was like right. a huge a huge netflix movie just because of the cast that it had and also the fact that it was on netflix so literally everyone would could be part of the conversation if they wanted to um but that movie in my opinion wasn't exactly all that great um i think that there were definitely some flaws within it uh that just didn't exactly sit well with me in terms of like the premise and like the concept of it was good but i think the execution was a bit off but um yeah definitely the notion that uh, streaming exclusive movies aren't as good as you know the theatrical ones is definitely warranted uh, but I think Netflix might be trying to turn that around with something like Knives Out and even with some of their other movies like I believe Irishman or whatever but that movie's like yeah. hella long so I've not even watched yeah. that yet <laughs> it's um, really long, yeah. but yeah alright um, so we got more Netflix news. This is a pretty big one. Uh, you know, this goes into Sony as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Netflix and Sony break ground with a film licensing deal, replacing the Stars Pact, the, including first look at new direct uh, to streaming titles. So basically, uh, Netflix signed an 18-month exclusive window deal for Sony Films. The official terms are unknown still, but Netflix won the bidding war for one billion dollars in <laughs> four years. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> the titles will come to Netflix after their theatrical releases. Uh, the current titles right now are Mobius, Uncharted where the crawdads sing and the bullet train uh netflix will get a first look deal for any director streaming titles as uh sony figures out which films those will be uh the deal only entails for uh 2022 films so venom 2 and spider-man 3 would not be a part of this and future uh, sequels will be coming to netflix so um you know like into the spider-verse 2 and stuff so after their theatrical run also obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> so um yeah so obviously that, that that's pretty big um uh, you know i think sony like we were talking about before um Sony's been going pretty big with like their with like their films and stuff because I actually think uh, like Sony doesn't really do well outside of like gaming nowadays. Like mm-hmm. obviously they still have like their um, TVs and stuff, but you don't really see them like anymore. And like their films and stuff, obviously like 
um, don't do as well either, <laughs> like, compared to other people. You know, obviously, their gaming division kills it. You know, PlayStation is, like, doing super well. Uh, but that's probably why they're adapting so many of their video game franchises into films now, because, like, hey, our video games do really well, and people really like those. So if we just adapt them to films, maybe that could reach a broader audience and we can make more money. And, you know, obviously going with Netflix seems like a pretty smart idea to them as well, since they kind of need them, and Netflix has good accessibility, right? Because, like, almost everyone has Netflix. And it's like, hey, if we get more eyes on this, that, that would probably be a, a good deal here. So, um, and obviously Netflix just wins by having more content in their catalog. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I think that this deal is very interesting just because, you know, Netflix getting first look at Sony films in general, I think is yeah. very good for them because I'm sure that they saw the numbers for a movie like Into the Spider-Verse when it was on their service. It was like, wow, like, you know, a lot of people love this movie. So they were probably like, well, let's try to, you know, get a deal with Sony and see what we can do about that. So, and I think the fact that Venom 2 and Spider-Man 3 aren't a part of this really puts the pressure on Sony to release those films this year. Because if they yeah. release them next year, they could possibly be a part of this Sony Netflix deal now, which they may or may not want just because of, you know, Marvel and Disney and, you know, maybe they could, you know, strike a deal with Disney Plus or something like that. There's obviously like a lot of legal logistics that I don't know about where it comes to the Spider-Man movies coming or like the Spider-Universe movies in general coming to Disney Plus and sort of on, on how that works out. But I think that that definitely puts a lot of pressure on them. And like you said, Sony, they aren't too successful within their movies. I feel like a lot of them outside of the Spider-Man movies, uh, it's sort of hit or miss. Um, but with a deal like this, obviously they are going to get a whole lot of money, $1 billion. That is insane. And because Netflix gets first look at these new titles, uh, they could obviously like be like, huh, you know, like this one didn't do so well at the box office. All right, Sony, like you deal with it now. We're not going to take it for Netflix uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if they have to pay extra because, you know, they obviously paid the $1 billion for four years. I'm sure that it would just be a matter of them saying yes or no to whichever titles that Sony brings up to them. Um, but, yeah, this is a very, very interesting deal. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people that probably think that Venom 2 and Spider-Man 3 are going to come to Netflix. But that is just not the case because this deal, I believe, is only for 2022 movies, like you said. Um, so... Yeah, it is it is definitely going to be interesting especially since the streaming war is really like getting into effect now because of Disney coming into the sort of mix now. So, yeah. It's definitely going to be very very interesting like I said. Yeah, because mostly because I think Netflix was already losing ground in the streaming war. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what Disney was like pumping out so much good stuff, and Netflix has been really on the decline for a while. And them not having a lot of big hits recently, like you know, um, I think you know obviously because COVID and stuff. But you know, uh, having mm -hmm. not Stranger Things uh, four come out is like pretty big because that's like their big show. And now they're like, oh, we don't really have a lot of things. Um, you know, obviously they got Tiger King, and that was a good success for them. But like, it's really inconsistent right now. So I think this deal is, is like seems like a pretty beneficial thing for both uh, companies so yeah it's gonna be interesting to see what happens uh, later on all right so now let's get into our recent activities once again i got a whole whole list uh but most <laughs> of these most of these are just one episode uh for anime so i'll let damien go first Okay, so uh, I just put Monster Hunter Rise and Final Fantasy fourteen here because yeah, I was playing them. Uh, <laughs> not much else to say about Rise because I talked about it a lot. Besides, um, you know, I'm 
you know, finding more of the high-end monsters, and it's still a ton of fun. You know, everything I said in the last episode still applies here. Uh, Deep Argo in the game, it's, it's still fantastic, really challenging, you know, as you would expect as you move further into the game. It's good to see a lot of monsters that weren't in uh, Monster Hunter World, since, you know, World was, you know, sort of had to redo a lot of the gameplay system, so they didn't have as many monsters. Um, it, it's just cool to fight other things that aren't, like, more, like, dragon-looking. Like, there's a lot more, like, <laughs> oh, you can find, like, a bear and stuff, and, like, that's cool. Uh, so yeah, I've really been enjoying Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV just released a new patch on Tuesday. Uh, I hadn't had a chance too much to play it because I've been pretty busy with school and stuff because you know finals are coming up. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I played the story patch. I beat all of it. Really good. Uh, I'm really excited to see where all this leads up to uh, N Walker, which comes out fall. So yeah, I'm very excited for that. I didn't play the new raid or diamond weapon yet. I'm, I'll make sure to play those before the next podcast. We actually talk about it. Uh, so two things I actually really want to talk about are. Uh, Binding of Isaac and Godzilla vs. Kong. So I'm going to talk about Isaac first. So I, I didn't really want to spoil too much about Isaac last, ep- uh, last episode because it, it just came out, Repentance. Mm-hmm. But now I don't care because like literally all the spoilers are everywhere and everyone knows now. So I'm just I'm just going to spoil it. If you don't want to hear it, that's fine. You can skip to like Travis's section. Um, <laughs> but it, it really isn't that big. I, I think people that are playing Isaac at this point know everything about it. So the reason what makes this DLC so good that I just, you know, that I learned about like after the podcast last time was um, there's like 17 different alt characters. So there's 17 characters in the main game. Uh, once you go through the true ending, you unlock the alternate characters of, you know, of the game. So you get like, so 17 base characters and the 17 alternate characters. And they all have their own unlocks and special mechanics, which is literally it's like ginormous. Like that like doubles the length of the game. And it's crazy that... It, like like an indie company was able to do that like it just it just blows my mind and all these alternate characters like play nothing like their original counterpart and like they are so goddamn unique like it's actually crazy like Kane right alternate Kane has a bag of crafting uh he can't grab items normally uh they would just turn into consumables so things like coins and bombs and pills and stuff uh you can use this bag of crafting to like nab this stuff and I believe you have like eight slots uh to make like a crafting thing. Uh, so you grab any assortment of items, and it just makes any item in the game, and you can just craft it. It's just such a unique mechanic with so many things going on. Like, that could just be one character by itself, and I would have been happy. But it's like, 16 more of those, like, special mechanics. Like, um, I'll try to think of other ones. Uh, like, Isaac, alternate Isaac, only have eight items ever. So usually the point of Isaac is to, like, grab a bunch of items. Uh, for him, it feels more like a deck builder, where you have to, like pick and choose which item you really need at a certain point and which item is like good enough to take up a slot in your inventory it's just so unique and like it just really changes how the game plays like in general and the two new final bosses are super well done the true final boss dogma and the beast are like probably the best isaac final boss i have played because all the other final bosses are okay like hush and delirium are like really bad uh just because they have so much super armor and they take forever to kill which kind of defeats the purpose of isaac where you kind of want to build a really godlike run and just like demolish everything i can understand a bit of boss armor because you don't want it like the final bosses to be giant pushovers mm-hmm. but i feel like hush and delirium were like a pretty big step backwards and not you know a lot of people don't really like those bosses but for uh dogma and the beast like the true final bosses are just they're they focus more on it being a fun fight rather than it being just bullshit. And I really do appreciate that. You know, all the patterns are not easy to dodge, but like challenging enough that you can still like die pretty easily. 
uh, but they also don't have like a bajillion HP, so it just feels like a really fun fight. You know, there's a lot of phases and stuff to them, and like it just doesn't feel like such a slog. I I really did like it, and the um, final boss for the alternate path, Mother, is also a really fun fight. That one's a lot harder because it does have more super armor than the true final boss, but um, again, I feel like its patterns are fair enough. I feel like every time I take damage is not my fault, unlike Delirium, which is like bullshit most of the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think they did such a good job with this DLC. The uh, the alternate floors are so fun. You know, it's obviously a lot harder than the main path, but like that's so many unique mechanics and stuff that it makes it worth going through and going through the extra challenge to unlock all those new items. Um, so yeah, I th I just think they did such a great job with this game, and I, I easily put like 40 hours into the game, and I didn't even scratch the surface with like this DLC. It's actually like insane how much content there is, and I honestly just can't praise uh, Edmund and stuff enough. Like that, this this DLC is like blowing me away with how good it is. It really does feel like an Isaac 1.9, like he keeps saying, and I, I could definitely see where how why it took so long for this dlc to come out since they announced it in 2018 and then it came out to like now so i could i could definitely understand where the dev time went um so yeah i'm super happy with it um and the last thing i've been doing is watching well i watched uh godzilla <laughs> versus kong so people were complaining like you know you know I, i'm hearing some like different things with it like, all right I, I might need to go on a rant for a second <laughs> go on bro people, people are always like yo why are these godzilla movies the people suck like i'm like dude have you ever watched a godzilla movie like, the only time <laughs> the human characters are actually good was in the original godzilla and in shin godzilla like those are the only times they actually are supposed to care about like the human politics rest of the time you care about the stupid giant lizard fighting some other stupid like thing you know what i mean mm -hmm. like that's what you're here for is giant kaiju fights like you don't come here for like good acting or like good anything else like you just like kind of get over that it's like it's still like a cheesy b-movie type thing just like this time has a huge budget and stuff like people in rubber costumes and i think this movie like really nailed that this really felt like i was watching an otoho godzilla movie just like just the energy it like exuberates is like so good dude like it's just like here you want to see godzilla and kong fight here you go you can see them fight like three times and like it's great um and it's also good because they the director i forgot uh what his name was he he was a fan of the original godzilla versus kong but um the original godzilla versus kong did not have like an, a de uh, definitive ending it was kind of left up to your imagination like oh who really won um he uh he said he wanted to like actually make a defined winner and he did which was actually really interesting like he actually like said like yeah this monster one i'm not obviously not going to say who but he's like oh this monster one like this this is the monster that like won the actual fight which was really cool to see like he didn't like like wimp out and say like oh it's like oh oh up to uh your imagination like in the original movie like because he's like yeah no this this monster one which is really cool um but yeah the fights were fantastic i really enjoyed it there's a really cool thing at the end that's really cool i never thought i would see that in an american godzilla movie because it sounds really stupid when you say it out loud but when <laughs> me seeing it i was geeking out so much i'm like yes they did it hell yeah um it's hard to talk about that just spoiling it so it won't but um mm -hmm. yeah if, if you're into godzilla or even king kong you just want to see two monsters fight then this is a fantastic movie i i really liked it again you just gotta know what you're getting yourself into you know don't expect like citizen king because you're not going to get it. It's <laughs> literally two CGI monsters fighting, and it's great. I thought the fights were super good. Um, and, you know, uh, I, like, like who cares about the human stuff? You, you, don't, you don't come here for that. <laughs> and it don't take up a lot of time either. Like, most of the time, it really it does focus on the monsters, which is great. Uh, when you watch a movie like this, you want to be focusing on the monster fights and not on, like, the people. And the, the movie really doesn't focus on them that much, so I don't really know why people are complaining. Uh, but, yeah, it's really good. I, I really enjoyed it. If you're into that stuff, then you would enjoy this movie. Yeah, the uh, director for Godzilla vs. Kong. He actually directed the uh, whirly acclaimed uh, Netflix uh, Death Note. Yeah. Um, uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
that's hilarious but you actually did pretty good with this one yeah i mean like when i saw godzilla king of the monsters in 2019 i mean you know i didn't expect much from the human characters you know i i believe they gave like a backstory to like millie bobby brown's character but outside of that i was like uh you know i just want to see godzilla fuck shit up so that's exactly what i got so yeah uh but i will definitely watch that when classes are over but yes yeah, it's, it's good fun in the meantime, I've been watching too much anime for my own good, so... I <laughs> <laughs> um, first up, Wonder Egg Priority. Finally finished it because the episode was locked by Funimation Premium, and I was not going to pay for that. So I watched the final episode. It was definitely an interesting ending. I think that uh, whenever I hear other people talk about this show, they have a hard time describing it, so I'm glad I'm, I'm not the only one. It's just a weird show. Like You just have to watch the first episode uh, to really see what it's about um the animation's good the music's good like really like the production value from uh cloverworks was like out of the park for this one i think and i and this is like a anime original so maybe that's why because you know like this was everything that they did no one knew what was gonna happen um but i really did like the story i really like the characters and yeah it was a good overall good time uh horimiya <laughs> this is a anime that premiered last season uh, so if I had to, you know, put this in there, it would definitely be above the Promise Neverland season two. But just like the Promise Neverland season two, this one condenses the manga into thirteen episodes. So the first half of the of the show is like really, really, really good. It focuses on Horisan and Miyamura and how they two, or how them two, sort of like get to know each other and sort of start to date, and that aspect of the show was really fun and really like cute to watch i watched this on hulu it's not on crunchyroll or anything like that it's only on like the funimation platforms or whatever so i i had to watch it on hulu um so yeah and it was really good for like the first half and then the second half they sort of like focus on like the other uh characters within their school which was fine but like i can tell that like they were rushing to what the manga ended and like the manga is like really really long like um it's like 14 15 volumes and they only had like 13 episodes but i don't think this needs a season two or or even like a sort of like full metal alchemist brotherhood remake i think that with how this anime played out i think that it really did a good job you know showing you horisan and miyamura's relationship uh but on top of that like if you want to see them do like more stupid stuff you could obviously read the manga and the success of this anime has been noticed by me personally just because I went on write stuff to like uh write stuff anime.com to see if I could get like any of the volumes of the manga and literally all 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 of them are sold out and I'm like wow oh my God. that is crazy but it is really good I think that if you want to watch a uh a romance comedy slice of life sort of thing uh this is definitely a good one and it came out you know like i said just last season so and it's only 13 episodes so i think that this one is not that bad uh next one i watched uh is called tuski got kiri i hope i said that right uh the english translation is as the moon so beautiful uh this one came out in 2017 uh from april to june um so i guess during like the uh, spring uh season but uh this one is about me uh god damn it akame and uh uh, Azumi and like they're like uh, third year middle schoolers and they sort of start to get to know each other they, they start dating this one is not a comedy this is a romance slice of life drama so the drama that happens is obviously like middle school shit where it's like oh you know like is he gonna text me back like he's not calling me or uh, with like Japanese culture uh, when you go from middle school to high school you need to apply to uh, different high schools and sort of like the uh, 
the way that in the U.S. where where you go from high school to college, like every E1 else, you have to like apply to like these different schools. They have yeah. to do this in eighth grade, and that shit was stressful to watch. I was like, God damn, like they are in eighth grade, and they already have to start to worry about this shit. Like that is crazy. Um, but yeah, it, it was just really cute and really wholesome. My only problem, like honestly, I, I would give this shit a fucking ten out of ten because I honestly loved seeing Akame and Azumi sort of like interact and sort of talk to each other. It doesn't get a 10 out of 10 because the fucking CG, bro, they use CG to uh, have, like, the uh, crowds of, like, random students or, or, like, people, and it's so fucking distracting every single time it happens. Other than that, the show is beautifully animated. I like the music. I like the intro, the outro, like, everything about the show I really like, like, um, what's it called? Some people might not like it because it's just too awkward fucking middle schoolers just like trying to date. But like, it's so relatable to a certain extent where I'm like, I can kind of see like what this show is trying to show. Um, but yeah, the ending was also like very beautiful. And like, I almost cried, but I didn't because I was like, okay, I got to like control myself here. But yeah, Tuesday Guy Carry is really, really, really good. It's only 12 episodes. If you could get past the CG, the fucking terrible CG. I think that you'll have a really good time with this, especially if you like romance you, anime. Wait, huh? Where do you CG at? <laughs> yeah, they use CG for the uh, crowds of like people, just oh, like okay. just like random people, and, and and I'm like, why? Like, why did they do that? I don't know. I guess to like you know, you know, crunch time or whatever. But like, it's super distracting, and and I always laugh at it because it just looks so bad. But. Um, I really, really like this romance drama because I didn't expect it to be, I guess, as dramatic as it was, but uh, there's multiple love triangles going on and shit like that. So uh, next one, uh, Totodora. Uh, this one is very, I guess, infamous or famous within the sort of like romance genre. This one came out in like 2008, like late 2008. Uh, so this one's kind of old, but uh, you got like these high schoolers, you got uh, Ryuji and... Um, What's her name? Uh, got him. Taiga. And them two, they live next to each other. Uh, Taiga's a fucking tsundere. So, like, straight up, she she's beating the shit out of fucking Raiju. But, like, Raiju's still, like, helping her because of, like, her living situation. Um, I'm only 10 episodes in, so I, I haven't finished it. Um, but I can see why a lot of people like it. I'm sort of okay with it right now. You know, I am enjoying myself when I am watching it. It's just, you know, fucking goddamn weird drama and, you know, stuff happening. So, um but yeah, uh, now I'm going to talk about a lot of the uh, current shows going on right now. So uh, first up, My Hero Season 5. Um, I think next week's episode is when stuff's really going to be fun uh, because right now they've just been sort of like setting stuff up. Um, but I I have been reading the manga, so I do know what happens. So I'm not like too concerned about following the anime. Um, but, you know, so far so good with the anime. I, I, I have like no real complaints because... Um, I think that what the show is going to turn into once we get into the further seasons is going to be very interesting. And I wonder how the sort of anime watchers only are going to react to it. Um, Tokyo Revengers. This one was the uh, anime that I talked about where like this guy's only girlfriend from like middle school like got murdered. And then like he like goes back in time and like some weird shit happens. Uh, the first episode, uh, very interesting. I mean, it doesn't really explain a lot of stuff well. So I am going to reserve my opinion of it excuse me right now but uh when kofi was watching it with me he was like i don't know what the fuck just happened but you know stuff's happening um the uh, main character is sort of of a dumbass because he doesn't remember stuff that happened in middle school but like he's still sort of young you know like he's 
I, I guess like fresh out of high school or some shit, but he doesn't remember stuff from middle school, which is kind of crazy because when he goes back like in time, he's like, wait, oh yeah, wait, this happens next. And then I'm like, wait, you forgot what happens, especially within the context of what actually happens. I'm like, how do you forget this dude? Like, but yeah, that that's going to be interesting because there's no like episode limit on this because the manga is still going. Um, and I'm not sure where they're going to end uh, this show between the, uh, I, I guess within the anime season, but Next one is Don't Toy With Me, Miss Nagatoro. Uh, as you guys know, I love fucking teasing Master Tagaki-san. So I'm like, I gotta gotta watch this show. Um, and this one is fucking weird. Like she, yo, bro, like she goes fucking in on teasing this guy, man. Like she straight up calls him a virgin. She, <laughs> bro, like she, she does not hold back when it comes to like fucking with them. And and I guess some people have a problem with that where like they would watch it and they're like, bro, she's just being a fucking asshole. But I'm like, it's a fucking anime. I'm sure that like there's a reason why she's doing it. It's it's only one episode, so like we don't know exactly what her full intentions are. But you know, just seeing him like like sort of like be flustered because he is like a fucking super nerd. Like like the reason why he meets up with her is because he always goes to the library to like do homework and like be by himself. But she's there with like her friends, and you know she sort sort of like starts messing with them and whatever. But um, I think. Uh, once we get more episodes of this anime, I think that people are, might be a little more comfortable with Miss Nagatoro because she is, she is kind of, kind of, of a fucking asshole. I am going to be honest. Um, but I think that we'll see where her motives are further in. Um, I did buy the manga. It hasn't come in yet, but I know that a lot of people who have read the manga, they really do like it. Uh, they use the word sus in the anime, (laughs) which, um, was not in the manga apparently. So that... That shit sort of threw me off when I was watching. I was like, she said sus. What the hell? Um, but yeah, you know, it's another it's another fucking romance comedy, you know, slice of life where the girl teases the guy or whatever. Um, all right. This one, FBI, don't arrest me. Um, after being rejected, I shaved and took into high school right away. So this one has two episodes. Uh, and this one is fucking weird because uh, like the title suggests, this guy takes in this fucking high schooler who's like, a runaway and she doesn't like she doesn't have like a real concept of like the real world so like whenever the main guy does something nice she wants to like repay him with like sex and shit and i'm like what the fuck's going on um so he's obviously like whoa, whoa, whoa. like you gotta like raise your standards or whatever and like uh he has like this crush on like his boss and like that's weird um it's, it's definitely a very interesting dynamic because if I was in this fucking situation, I would not want her in my house because that shit just looks sus where like this guy's 26 and he has this fucking high school runaway. Like it does not look good on paper for him, especially since in the first episode, he looks up like an article where like this guy got arrested for like taking in a high schooler just like him. And like, I guess he just doesn't care or like he's too nice, but he's not actually that nice. It's weird. Um, but yeah, I am definitely uh sort of keeping my eye on this one because it is so weird and i'm sort of like intrigued in terms of what's going to happen within the 13 episodes that this uh anime is adapting from the the, uh, light novel so yeah it is just by the title of it i'm sure that a lot of people were like what the hell is gonna happen but who the hell knows um last anime i got here is a rom-com where the childhood friend won't lose um i only watched the first episode because that's the only one that's out um and this one is uh, also kind of weird because the childhood friend is very adamant about trying to get with this dude but this dude has other eyes on another girl so 
wonder how that's going to play out or whatever. But uh, right now it has a 68% average on a fucking annual list, which is kind of weird because it's only one episode, guys. But uh, who the hell knows? Um, but yeah, and then uh, Teasing Master Tagaki Song is the manga that I've been reading on and off. Uh, it's sort of like a quick read, but I've sort of stopped reading manga just because I got to focus on these fucking finals. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyways, that's my entire fucking rant on the anime that I've been watching. It's a whole lot. Uh, so now let's talk about the Bloomberg article uh, in Sony's obsession with blockbusters uh, and their sort of uh, mentality uh, going into the PlayStation 5. So I made a separate video on this, so I'm going to reiterate some of the stuff that I discussed in that video. But if you guys want to check it out, it's obviously available on my YouTube channel. So I'm just going to break the story down just like I did within that video. A new development uh, unit within Sony started making The Last of Us or started remaking The Last of Us 1 for the PlayStation 5. Originally, they wanted to remake Uncharted 1, but that would be far too expensive and require a ton of work. Sony never fully acknowledged the team's existence or even gave them proper funding for the project. Not even a name was given to them. Sony then moved ownership of this project to Naughty Dog, ditching the small unit behind. After Sony canned their Japanese studio's office uh, offices, their mentality on now are now on blockbuster video games for the PlayStation 5 rather than creating new titles in the evolving landscape of gaming. Dave's Gone Dev's Ben Studios tried to pitch a sequel to Sony but failed due to the first game's uh, lengthy development and mixed reception. Instead, the team was split into two to help Naughty Dog with a multiplayer game for uh, while the other group was assigned to create a new Uncharted game under the supervision of Naughty Dog. Unhappy with this arrangement, some staff left, including top leaders. Now the studio is off of the Uncharted project and they are now working on a brand new franchise project. And uh, taking a quote from the article directly, Sony's focus on exclusive blockbusters has come at the expense of niche teams and studios within the PlayStation organization, leading to high turnover and less choices for players. Last week, Sony reorganized the development offices in Japan, resulting in mass departures of people who worked on less well-known but acclaimed titles such as Gravity Rush and Everybody's Golf. The company has informed developers that it no longer wants to produce smaller games that are only successful in Japan, Bloomberg has reported. So, uh, when this sort of news came out, a lot of the outlets were extremely hyper-focused on No Days Gone 2 and The Last of Us 1 remake for the PS5. And because of that, a lot of people on Twitter were also hyper-focused on that news as well, where it was like, oh, why does a Last of Us remake need to happen? Days Gone 2 is not happening. I mean, I, I kind of expected that, but you know, I know that there's some people that really did enjoy that game. Um, but... Definitely after I made my video, people really did actually focus on the main idea of this article, which is Sony's mentality of blockbuster games. So I just want to see Damien's opinion on this because this is obviously like a huge thing, especially since Sony is killing it within the console war right now. But I think them shifting their focus is a bit interesting. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing with this. Like, I think Sony's always been pretty obsessed with like really big blockbuster games. Like They've always like really aimed for that. And obviously that could lead to a lot of developers not really being happy with like such a high bar of success because you know Sony, like Sony's IPs always have to reach that level, right? Like I think Naughty Dog really set the bar high with you know like even Crash Bandicoot back then, and then Jack, and then Uncharted, and then obviously Last of Us. And I feel like Sony like wants every company to sort of reach that same height, and you know usually they do. You know Guerrilla mm-hmm. Games with uh, Horizon, a Sonyak with Spider Man. Sucker Punch with Ghost of Tsushima, uh, Santa Monica with the new God of War. You know, usually they've they've been able to keep up, but like it, it's hard to like always expect such great things all the time, and you can't you don't really have a break. I mean, like with the day, Days Gone's uh, devs, you know, obviously they were really only given like one shot, 
and it, the game did okay like it did okay review wise and it did okay sales wise but that wasn't really good enough for sony mm-hmm. so they're just straight up like okay you just like won't be able to make a sequel uh and you could just do something else instead which i mean it makes sense but i could, I could see it why people would have like an issue with it um you know developers wise and you know it, it could lead to like some burnout or some like sort of uh bad blood between developers and you know uh sony um especially with naughty dog like with the whole like oh make last of us one remake and stuff like is that really necessary not really it seems like they're more chasing the bag there with like oh the the last of us show is going to come out we could just remake this for some easy money maybe like change the models a bit so that like you know the actors in the in the show you know do, you know mm-hmm. i don't know if that's really what they're planning or anything but it's definitely like something that we should probably worry about and discourage because it could lead to like crunch and like to developers like wanting to meet all these high expectations but they just aren't able to because sony has like such a pretty big like you know grasp with the whole like blockbuster games you know like their games have to be the best thing on there which again it makes sense but you know you don't really hear nintendo like having like people like you know bust like i mean obviously they're gonna bust their balls off making these games but they're not mm-hmm. like this where it's like you know sony is such like an oppressive force about it um nintendo is more like they want to do it um, you know, obviously, I'm not saying there's no problems in Nintendo, but you you don't really hear about it, now, don't you? <laughs> in, in Sony's case, you know, you hear it a lot more. Especially when Last of Us 2 uh, came out, you know, a lot of developers left because the working conditions were so bad. And at that point, do you blame Naughty Dog or do you blame Sony? Like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say at this point because Naughty Dog is just doing what Sony wants them to do and like just be like the best it could be. But and being that best it could be, they are really like just stretching themselves out thin and like you know, always in like this the pursuit of being like next greatest thing so yeah obviously this is kind of like a bad mentality for sony to have they shouldn't expect this for every single game you know it's okay to have more niche games you know it's okay to have more games that are like focused on other avenues and stuff but um you know if every developer is going to be like you know pushed so hard then you're going to lose a lot of innovation as well you know so yeah i think sony drifting away from their smaller titles is gonna lead to their downfall uh yeah just because you know when you run out of last of us games when you run out of uncharted games what are you gonna fall back on now because now you don't have these smaller titles like gravity rush like everybody's golf to sort of look to and be like well maybe we could prop this up now because now all they have is the top tier stuff that's all they have they have nothing to fall back on um and i was very very happy to go on twitter when i saw that a tweet about you know playstation should remaster the sly cooper games you know someone just random randomly tweeted that the tweet has almost 10k likes and over 2,000 retweets. So that made me very happy as a Sly Cooper fan just because I feel like that that franchise as a whole isn't really uh, sort of noted these days. And I felt like a lot of people didn't really care about Sly Cooper. But look at me going on Twitter and Sly Cooper was trending. And I was like, wow, I wish I mentioned that in my video because I felt like, you know, with my own personal bias with Sly Cooper, I felt like if I mentioned that, it would have been sort of, I guess, too biased. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people really do like these smaller titles, you know, despite them only being successful in Japan, despite them only having a sort of like niche audience, I think that Sony 
really hyper focusing on blockbuster titles especially since with the way that they're doing it right is not like oh you know we'll just have naughty dog work on their new game uh they're actually having them work on a last of us remake which is a bit odd uh but on top of that having been studios at first allocating them to help naughty dog on the other stuff they're sort of putting all of their eggs in one basket which is never a good thing because now they have nothing to fall back on they have nothing to really sort of prop themselves up when these franchises and when these studios don't want to make any more ghost of tsushima's any any more god of wars etc you know because now it's really 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 focused on the the top tier stuff because eventually spider-man's gonna end eventually god of wars gonna end etc etc so yeah i think that them being hyper focused on triple a titles is not good and i think that sony really needs to sort of refocus on their plan and some people are blaming jim ryan uh for this sort of mishap and some people are wondering uh why uh sean i i forget his last name but sean was a uh, sort of prominent figure within playstation he was the guy that was presenting all of these stuff and people found a clip of him from like one of the e3s were like you know uh he was talking about a game that was not as well known but he liked it because you know it was innovative and he had a good time with it um but yeah definitely um something very concerning within sony internally and i'm not sure if they're going to turn away from this mentality just because you know every single time they drop a game now they want it to you know reach the heights of the last of us part two yeah and again that, that that's a big mistake because again i think it really does hamper a lot of smaller uh, studios within sony if they want to do something cool or like something that's more niche you know I, I i do feel like that does stifle creativity like i said and if you just always focus on big blockbuster triple a games um you know usually they're like the same like third person mm-hmm. action games right like obviously yeah. they're all fantastic games but i feel like you kind of need something a little more that's why i'm actually surprised that sony put so much money into um Ratchet and Clank, right? Because mm-hmm. obviously they're probably like, oh, we need like a like a 3D platformer, so we use it's Act, But it still seems like kind of like they don't want to like do it. Like they would rather keep their big AAA stuff like as we know it. And you know, there's some point where either it's gonna end or it's gonna get stale. And I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see when these big PS5 games come out. Like, are people gonna be sick of Horizon 2 when that comes out because it's too much like the first game? Or are people gonna be sick of God of War 2 because it's too much like the first game as well? You know, we just gotta see um yeah but it's definitely a big problem and hopefully sony could see that you know people obviously people want these big blockbuster triple a games obviously Mm -hmm. but you know people also want fun video games as well like just fun creative stuff that's really niche and you know could bring more ideas so yeah hopefully sony notices that at this point but we're just gonna have to wait and see what happens in the future yeah i think that like you said you know them putting all of their eggs in one basket is not going to be good and eventually it will bite them in the butt so mm-hmm. and i think that that clearly showed within their e3 presentations uh over the past couple of years when they were there where it was like they were showing the same like three to four games from like e3 2016 or whatever with like spider-man last of us um god of war you know like they kept showing those games over and over again and people on twitter people on the internet were like hey when are you gonna like show something new so um, I think that that was like a very clear and telling sign that they needed something needed something new. But I guess that, you know, Jim Ryan or whoever at Sony is sort of just looking at the big the big numbers and sort of like trying to make that with every single exclusive game that they come out, which never has to be the case. Yeah, basically, like, 
don't know. Ho- hopefully they could like figure this out because it it doesn't it is very concerning for like the whole studio. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And also remasters like Cooper. Thank you. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier episode four and five. We're gonna be talking about full spoilers because it is gonna be very hard to not talk about spoilers when it comes to these two episodes in particular. So if you guys don't want to listen to that, uh, you know, you could leave. Or if you don't care, you know, continue listening. So, I uh, yeah, I think that. These two episodes, uh, especially since there are only six within the entire series, I think that these two have been the strongest so far just because of the content that has happened and sort of how the story has progressed with uh, Sam Bucky and John Walker. So, Yeah, I, I think these have been like the best episodes so far. Like they have definitely been like full of action. Like you get to learn more about the characters like it, it's been like super good <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely um with um what's it called episode four opening up with the sort of like wakanda thing to sort of give us an idea of why they're here and and also give us backstory as to how bucky snapped out of his sort of uh trance as the winter soldier um so i really did like that and then you know it obviously led into the sort of uh hotel fight with uh, john walker and all of them and uh, you know, John Walker within these past two episodes, I think that, you know, people hating him as a character is fine because that's exactly what you're supposed to do. You know, like you're supposed to hate him as a character, but hating the actor who's playing him, I think is a whole other uh, story. That's, why? Why do we always do this? <laughs> like, okay. Like, remember, like, uh, what was it? Uh, for Last of Us 2, right? When people were hating Laura Bailey because they mm-hmm. don't like Abby. That's so dumb. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. that, you know, people on the internet just need to, you know uh calm down. separate yeah calm down and also separate you know the art from the artist sort of thing um i think that this is the one case where i can sort of do that because he is playing a character he is not an actual asshole in real life i hope um but you know you never know with these hollywood people but he was playing the character extremely well he is you know very much hateable and i think that episode four really shows that he is not captain america he is not fit to be captain america um especially since you know the climax in episode four where he straight up kills that dude um i thought that that wasn't going to happen i thought that one of them uh sam or bucky was going to come in and sort of like stop him but you know i guess that they were just a little bit too late or just didn't want to get caught in that uh and he just straight up murdered that guy and the blood that was shown on the shield is very symbolic to sort of show that you know uh this is this is John Walker's Captain America, if you will. Yeah, and it, it does like do, do a good job, like yeah, showing like more of his character and like you know he's very unstable. Like he obviously wasn't ready to be Captain America. But also the thing it shows the resolve that Steve Rogers had as well. Mm-hmm. Like you know like if you know people were saying oh Steve Rogers would have done the same thing if you know like Sam died and like no he probably would have not like killed this dude <laughs> in cold blood. Obviously would he be angry? Yes, of course. Like I think everyone would be angry, but he definitely would have done the right thing in the end because that's just who he was. You know it shows that John Walker at the end of the day I'm, I'm not gonna see he's a bad person but a very like emotional well i mean now he's a bad person but you know, I'm, I'm gonna say like a very emotional person that should not have this power obviously so obviously he's a bad person but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and i think um what's it called when you know lamar died i was like oh shit like something something's gonna happen here and obviously like that something did happen um and you know, seeing John Walker sort of evolve as a character because of the super soldier serum. All right. So like when he found that, that one vial, I was like, 
you know, Zemo got most of them, but I'm like, there's going to be one, right? Like there has to be one. And there was, and I was like, he's, he's most likely going to use it. And I like the way that they showed the audience that he did use it when he like bent like that pole. I was like, oh shit. Like there's no way regular John Walker would have done that. So I really did like the way that they presented the sort of super soldier serum without directly showing us of him, like putting it into him, I guess. Yeah, yeah, obviously, like, we know he did it, but it was cool to see them, I guess, subtly do it, like, oh, shit, <laughs> yeah, it's the serum <laughs> now, um, you know, I, I think we all kind of knew at that point he was probably going to get it, um, especially in that episode, it was, like, all the vials on the ground, mm-hmm. you know, Zemo forget to step on one, and he's like, oh, shit, here's, here's evil Captain America now, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, honestly, I have to like really congratulate just John Walker's acting. Like he he's like a really good actor, honestly. Um, you know, he really portrays that this like psycho <laughs> Captain America mm-hmm. who feels like he like lost everything and stuff. Like it, I I he really does feel like a threat, like very scary and stuff. And yeah, I, he just he, every time he's on screen, I just feel like oh, I don't want to be around this guy. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, this guy's kind of scary, but um. You know, I think episode four um, as a whole, like it it started off kind of slow just because it wanted to like build everything up to what was going to happen in the second and third half of the episode. But my favorite part of the episode, despite, you know, the super cool ending with the sort of symbolic of the uh, sort of blood on the shield. uh, My favorite part of the episode was definitely when Sam was talking to Carly um, to sort of get an idea of where she stands and sort of, you know, empathize with her and, you know, him being like, I am with your movement, you know, like he understands why she's doing what she's doing. Obviously, just not the way that she's doing it. It sort of reminds me of like The Walking Dead with like Shane and Rick and sort of them two and their duality. Sort of like Shane wants to do things, you know, in a bad way while Rick wants to, you know, sort of uh, do it the good way. And that obviously showed within their characters within that show. Uh, But, you know, how Sam and Carly, that whole conversation, uh, them getting to know each other and sort of. Uh, him he almost he almost did it and then fucking john walker you know he obviously has to ruin everything and you know she got away but yeah Yeah. i I definitely like that interaction that they had Uh, i i like it also because uh, you know just like with john walker i was talking about with steve rogers um i think they did a good job with sam showing that he has that same like sort of like golden heart that steve rogers has and i think it's showing that you don't need like super strength or whatever to be a good captain america you just need that like that good resolve and like that good like you know believe in everyone well not believe in everyone but you know how believe in the good in everyone like sam does mm-hmm. so because uh, obviously he wants to connect with carly because you know she is not you know her fault like that all this was happening obviously no she's a terrorist now so yeah <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I always have to put a little caveat there but you know i think um like she's obviously just like scared and like she wants the best for her like the refugees and stuff which is you know a good goal to have and you know the world just keeps screwing her over and i think sam knows that and obviously we're going to like connect in a deeper level and then you know everything went you know the whole star fighting and stuff uh you know i think it's a cool a cool dynamic it also shows that i think she still trusts sam to a certain extent but like you know obviously they're gonna have to fight because they're you know views like conflict obviously so yeah, definitely. Um, after John Walker sort of ruined everything, I'm sure Carly is at no point of return just because now she hired the guy from like episode one to like sort of, I guess, kill the Falcon. Uh, that's what his main goal is. He doesn't want to be a part of her sort of rebellion revolution thing. Uh, and they are in New York City, which is kind of crazy. And I'm sure that this last episode, episode six, is going to be insane and hopefully, you know, caps everything off very nicely because. You know, I really do like uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier like as characters within the MCU, and I think that the show has done a really good job of sort of portraying them so far. Um, 
and the talk that Sam and Bucky had within episode five when they're like throwing the shield around I thought that that was a really good way to resolve I guess their conflict with each other instead of how they view each other uh you know Bucky's saying like you know the shield is like the last family that he has and when Sam gave it up it he felt lost he he had to like sort of like question himself Sam and Steve um so I really did like that conversation that they had between the two but at the same time you know they're not like clearly you know on I guess like uh in writing friends if you will so yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, so, um, but, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know why. Just... All right, but um, I guess we could talk about next episode, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we are on episode five, right? Oh, oh right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, basically, I I do like they go into like the whole yeah thing with um, Isaiah and stuff with like the whole yes. like uh. You know, obviously that's gonna be a sensitive topic for a lot of people, and maybe some people won't like like that. I guess because people are weird and dumb. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I think it was it, it was good things to point out because you know, obviously with uh, having a black Captain America like could like make people uncomfortable for whatever reason, and you know maybe like America like is like oh they're not ready for that or whatever. But you know, I think Sam obviously has shown that he is a perfectly good Captain America, and you know it, it probably why he shows why you know I think he said it when he was talking to uh to Bucky that you know he didn't want to take up the shield because you know like hey I'm black and like maybe like you know it won't like you know the shield represents a lot more than just like Steve Rogers and stuff but you know the shield did do a lot of good as well and I think now that they're starting to learn that you know Sam's just gonna be like screw it I'm, I'm just gonna be Captain America now <laughs> mm-hmm. and that whole fight scene at the start of episode five I thought was really really oh nice that, too. That, that was really good yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> that entire fight scene I was like yes this is this is what I've been waiting for just because I knew that this was gonna happen eventually and obviously the whole thing with uh at the end of episode five where he straight up kills the dude uh and sort of the uh cinematography where like it would always go back to the blood on that shield i was like yes because that is something that you cannot sort of like forget that you know literally just happened because you know steve rogers would never have done something like that even if you know sam or bucky sort of you know went away i mean you know literally within captain america when he thought bucky died but that didn't happen um and, you know, seeing Sam take up the shield now after talking with Isaiah and everything like that, like, I thought that the way that Sam progressed as a character within episode five in particular, I thought was really, really well done. Uh, sort of, you know, calling up on all of on all of those favorites, like fix the boat to sell it. And then, you know, Sarah obviously was like, we're not selling it anymore. Um, I, I kind of saw that one coming, but yeah. um, it's just, you know, something that their family has and getting an insight onto Sam's I guess life at home I th- I thought was obviously very key and very telling within the start of the show to begin with but I like that we went back to it within this episode because it does play a part into him becoming Captain America and him uh sort of taking up that shield after they you know jacket from uh you know John Walker because you know we can't just you know run up on the guy beat him up and take the shield like you said in like episode one or two um but obviously that did happen so um yeah they, they, they beat the shit out <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that was a awesome fight scene it was a good um, fight yeah i think zemo uh his conclusion you know so sort of being a prisoner of wakanda is probably the best thing that could have happened um i 100 percent knew that bucky wasn't going to cap him like i'm like this guy he he's not gonna kill him right like there's no way um so you know i think that him going off to wakanda is a fitting end to his character 
and uh, I cannot wait to see what that Wakanda, I guess, outfit that Sam has uh, is going to look like within episode six. Yeah, I mean, I also think this, you know, obviously he talks about how this episode was good development for Sam. I always thought it was good uh, development for Bucky because, uh, you know, obviously him not like straight up shooting uh, Zemo in the face is like, you know, you probably learned that like, yeah, I probably shouldn't like to just kill everyone. And, like, you know, <laughs> I, just, I was just take him to Wakanda because they probably want, you know, him anyway. So, well, obviously I think he goes to the raft, I think they said, but whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just take him as a prisoner again. And um, obviously when Sam and Bucky were talking and Sam was like, hey, you know, you got to really fix your shit. Like, you keep having nightmares and stuff still. Like, you obviously haven't resolved your issues with, like, being the Winter Soldier. And obviously that's going to end with him telling the, the dude who he killed his son in the beginning mm-hmm. and be like, yo, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. Like, I did that. So that's probably going to be good development for Bucky as well. Yeah, I really like that they brought that background because, you know, when I saw Bucky flirting with uh, Sarah, I was like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, please, yeah. please, please do not make this a thing. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I really did like uh you know episode five as well uh despite you know the shocking ending of episode four um mm-hmm. and with the whole sharon thing I, I i mean i don't know what the hell she's doing it it seems really 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 goddamn sketchy what's going on with yeah. her um, uh, she's mad sus <laughs> yeah she is mad sus and i am curious to see uh how that's all gonna resolve within the final episode but yeah, I really also like the uh, sort of, I guess, montage of seeing Sam sort of mess with the shield and sort of getting used to it because, you know, that thing is that thing is definitely something that you don't, I guess, typically use within combat. So seeing someone else try to uh, perfect it with him, like throwing it at the uh, trees with like the uh, cushions on them, I thought was a very nice sort of montage. Yeah, it was really cool to just see him, like, you know, get used to the shield and, like, just, I guess, work out even more because, you know, <laughs> he doesn't have, you know, all that fancy tech anymore as the Falcon because he's just going to be Captain America now. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he does in, like, in a fight because, again, he's not a super soldier. He's just a guy with, with Captain America's shield, which could still do a lot of damage, obviously, because that thing is, like, you know, really strong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really cool to just see him like train up and like be the next Captain America, and I'm really excited to see like what his outfit looks like as well. Yeah, I am just I just want to see how this is all going to end because if it ends properly and and they you know stick the landing, this is definitely going to be one of my favorite MCU things ever, and definitely a lot better than WandaVision. You know, WandaVision was good, but I think that the second half of the show and sort of everything that happened within the second part of of the show was a little all over the place and i think that it didn't stick the landing as well as i would have wanted to not because my theories weren't right or or whatever it just felt like that the the ending of it just didn't really satisfy me in my opinion right now i i understand that i think i think it's because this show is harder to mess up just because like i think uh all the captain america stuff is right like so well established and like pretty well built at this point mm-hmm. that i felt like it would be hard to mess it up but i also feel like just sam and bucky are good characters as well and like i think all the situations they've been getting themselves into has been really interesting which is john walker i mean i think the villains are really good too like i think yes. john walker has been a really good villain um as well uh same thing with carly being like really relatable and stuff so and you know sharon, I'm, I'm this is my theory i think sharon's the power broker because like she's, <laughs> she's like talking to all these people i heard she was talking to a french guy and then the french guy came in well the weapons like at the end so i'm like all right well i guess she's probably the power broker i don't know what why she became like that well she was probably pissed after the uh civil <laughs> war stuff but still that seems a little extreme so <laughs> but yeah yeah uh, we're just gonna have to wait and see for episode six because I'm sure they're gonna wrap everything up. Hopefully, but uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? Good stuff. Uh, well, besides just uh, 
you know, John Walker's fake ass shield as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, his fake ass shield. That shit uh, had me dying within the uh, mid credit scene because I'm like, there's no way he's making a shield, right? And then he was, and I was like, I wonder how that's gonna fare when uh, he goes to New York when everything happens, you know? <laughs> he's gonna throw it and it's gonna like just fall. <laughs> so um, yeah. But yeah, now, now, now I'm done. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Travis and David podcast, episode 60. Once again, and we will see you guys two weeks from now with another episode. See ya.